Well, if you would please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. We are introducing this morning a new series, which will take us through July. So between now and July, we are going to be studying the book of Hebrews. So please turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And we'd like to suggest a commentary. It's by Raymond Brown. It's called The Message of Hebrews. It's in the Bible Speaks Today series. So uh, please look for that at our book table, and uh, this is a, a good a layman's commentary on Hebrews. So this will be great to serve you, and I would just want to encourage you that as we go through books of the Bible, you would be building a library. And dads, I just want, I want to talk to you for a moment. You would be building a library for yourself so that you might serve your wife and your children, and the day you die, go to be with the Lord your sons and daughters can have your library and they can see your notes in it and maybe your tears on a couple of the pages where God spoke to your heart because that's what we're to do is we're to disciple one another. These are wonderful tools of discipleship. So the message of Hebrews, Raymond Brown, the Bible speaks today. Highly, highly commend that to your study. The title of our series is, is, is Christ Greater Than All. That's really the theme of the book of Hebrews. And as we look at verses 1 to 4 this morning of Hebrews 1, we see that theme front and center. So let's read now Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days... He has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, now speaking of Christ, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he, Christ, upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your anointing this morning to serve your people. Lord, build your church and may the gates of hell not prevail against it. Father, come by your spirit and arrest every heart. Captivate every mind. Lord, tune us into what you're saying. Father, I pray. I pray that you would deliver us from evil and the evil one and the distractions of our own thoughts, our own minds. Lord, I pray that you would now give us water to drink, that we would never be thirsty and that it would come through this word Help me to say what you want me to say the way you want me to say it. In Jesus' name, amen. The Pino household shares two vehicles among four individuals. My wife, Desiree, myself, my daughter, Stephanie, who's 19, and my son, Joseph, who's 17. Therefore, if you ever get into the Pino uh, household cars, you never know what radio station's going to be on. <laughs> you know how it is. You get in the car Turn on the radio, kind of depending on your mood, what you want to listen to. You choose a radio station. It's really kind of funny in Miami. There's a lot of choices, aren't there? You know, from the good, wholesome 88.5 family Christian radio to the smooth jazz of Love 94. 
You got Paraíso, 88.3, Tu Nota de Amor, or 105.5 for us old guys, all oldies, all the time. Personally, one of my favorites is sports talk radio. I like to listen to AM 790, The Ticket. The other day, Joey and I were driving. We were laughing so hard. We were just kind of going through the radio stations, and it was the first bilingual radio station I've ever heard. Okay, It's called Mix 98. Wouldn't recommend the music, okay? But the guy is speaking Spanglish the whole time. It is hilarious. We were laughing so hard. I, I said to Joe, I guess we're moving to an integrated model of radio stations in this bilingual city these days. All right, so what's the point? Well, here's the point. Just like you get into your car and choose the radio station, folks, we get into our lives and choose the radio station that plays in our head. See, it's the station that comes on whether you want it to or not when you wake up in the morning. It's the station that's playing constant music and news and talk shows during the day when you're at work or at home with the kids. It's it's the radio station that plays in our heads when we're laying at bed at night, unable to go to sleep. So what radio station is playing in your head? What are you tuned into? What's your default station? Is it W-M-E-E, all me, all the time, self? (laughs) 106.6, classic world, the world's perspective. Or maybe for many of us, it's 960, the accuser, the condemnation, the bitterness of Satan, our foe, and our own conscience that condemns us. See, the purpose of the message today is to identify the one station that matters the most, the one place where you're going to get the truth and your eyes are going to be directed to the one who's worthy to be listened to. And that station is God's station, spoken through Jesus Christ, his son. You see, this passage is all about listening to God and his broadcast. 24 7. It's about listening to the one who matters the most. The one who will draw your heart, your soul, your mind to treasure and delight in God through his son, Jesus Christ, who is greater in all. As a matter of fact, the main point of this passage is this listen to God. Listen to God, for he speaks to you in Christ who is greater than all. Listen to God, because he's speaking to you in Christ, who is greater than all. God is speaking to us this morning, friends. And it doesn't get any better than this, because Christ is greater than all. So I pray that you would tune in right now. You would tune in and listen to God, for what God speaks is intended to encourage you, again, to value what's truly valuable, him to worship what's truly worth of our worship, Christ, and to remain faithful to the one who is greater than all. So let's look at the first point. Listen to God. Listen to God. The first thing that we have to be thankful for, dear friends, is, is that God even speaks to us. Now look at Hebrews 1.1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke, God spoke to the fathers. By the prophets. Note, God has been speaking from the beginning. God spoke. Notice what it says in verse 1. 
at many times and in many ways. Now, when it says that God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, it's probably talking about the Bible, the Old Testament. God is speaking to his people through what the prophets have written. Now, let me remind you here that this letter is written to an original audience. Probably was written around between 60 and 70 A.D. 70 A.D. is when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. And, as we can tell from the title, it was written to Jewish Christians, to Hebrews. Now, we're not sure who wrote it. But we are sure that it's the inspired word of God. And we are sure of this, that the Hebrew Christians to whom this book was originally written were going through a very difficult time. Their faith was being tested. The cruel, hard world of Rome and Nero was persecuting and hated God and hated them as Christians. And actually, the persecution was so acute that they wanted to go back to Judaism. They said, enough with this Christianity. We want to go back to Judaism. And and so the author writes a letter. Actually, the author preaches a sermon. This letter is a sermon. It was meant actually to be preached to the people in one sitting, like I'm preaching to you right now. So it was meant to be read all the way through in one sitting. And this sermon is actually, the author calls it an exhortation. Look at, look at Hebrews 13.22 quickly. Hebrews 13.22 says the following. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. What was the exhortation to be? The exhortation was this. I know it's difficult, but I'm writing to you about the one who is greater than all, so therefore, don't go back to Judaism. Don't go back to that which was before Christ. The ESV study Bible states it this way. Here's the theme of Hebrews. The theme of Hebrews is Christ greater than any angel, priest, or old covenant institution. Thus, each reader, rather than leaving such a great salvation, is summoned to hold on by faith to the true rest found in Christ and to encourage others in the church to persevere. Friends, that's God's purpose for us today in this text, in this book. He wants us to listen to him. He wants us to listen to this wonderful sermon, this sermonic letter, so that we be encouraged, exhorted. And if we find ourselves wanting to quit because it's difficult, or we're sitting next to somebody that wants to quit because it's difficult, we would say instead, you're tuning in to the wrong radio station. Listen to God's radio station in Christ and press in. Don't quit. That is the purpose of this text. Listen to God. Point two, because God speaks to you today in Christ. And Christ is God's final word. See, the second point is, God speaks. And he speaks to you in Christ. And Christ is God's final word. Now, we're going to hang here in in, in the second point and take a look at what qualifies Christ to be the final word. But I just want to say this. You know, some of you, some of you think you're qualified to be the final word on God. 
You're not. We're going to see in a moment Christ's resume to be God's final word. Some of you think the world is qualified to be the final word on God, who God is, and how we relate to him. It's not. And sadly, we know that Satan, the enemy of our soul, who is a liar, well, he would love to fulfill the role of being the final word on God. But he definitely is not. So who is? Who is the final word on God? This text, this letter, this sermon, today, it's Jesus Christ. Look at verse 2. Hebrews 1-2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. By his son. See, God has fulfilled his promises, uttered through the prophets, and spoken climactically and finally in his son, the person and work of Jesus. His death and and resurrection and exaltation point to the inauguration of the end, the time of fulfillment. These are the last days. And God has initiated them by bringing us his son, and now he's speaking to us through his son. Oh yeah, the prophets had God's word, definitely. But Jesus has God's final word, God's definitive word. You know, sometimes we'll say this, when it comes to budgetary matters, Corey has, I mean, the chief financial officer has the final word. That's an inside joke amongst us as a pastoral staff. So when it comes to budgetary matters, who has the final word? Well, it's the chief financial officer. When it comes to affairs of state, foreign affairs, the secretary of state has the final word. Well, folks, when it comes to revealing God, Jesus Christ is the final word. Is he the final word for you? See, he settled, he settled everything there is to be known about God and how we relate to him. He settled it. He gave the final word. He gave it on the cross. He gave it when he rose from the dead. He gave it when he ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. Man, don't go to the world. Don't go to your own thinking. And certainly don't listen to the accuser of your soul. Go to Christ. He's the final word. He's the one that is conclusively authoritative about who God is. He's the only one who qualifies as the supreme revealer of God. The supreme revealer of God. And what we're going to look at now are seven, seven affirmations and seven attributes that qualify Jesus to be the supreme revealer of God. I, I just pray for you that when you get in difficulties, that you tune out the bogus radio stations, that you humbly understand that you, my friend, are not qualified to reveal God or give the final word on God. Only Jesus is who suffered for you on the cross, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. And so it's important that we really drill down into these seven affirmations, these seven attributes, these seven achievements of Christ. And the first one is seen in verse 2. Christ is the messianic son who is the heir of all things. Christ is qualified to give the final word on God because he's the messianic son of God. He's the heir of all things. That's what it says in verse 2. He has spoken to us by his son. In the Greek, that word son does not have an article. 
There's no definite article, the son, or indefinite article, a son. There's no article at all. And the reason for that is grammatically, what is that is saying is this is the unique son of God. He's the one and only son of God. There is no one like him. None. He is uniquely qualified as the son. He's the messianic son of God. And going on in that verse, whom... Hebrews 1, 2 now, whom he, God, appointed the heir of all things. So he's the unique son of God, and God the Father appointed him as the heir of all things. Now, what does that mean, the heir of all things? Well, we've got to go into the Old Testament. We've got to go to Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. And it says this, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, now catch this, and I will make the nations your inheritage and the ends of the earth your possession. See, Jesus is qualified to give the final word on God because only Jesus is the messianic son of God and only Jesus is the heir of all things. God, in verse 8 here, has given to Jesus the nations. As a matter of fact, We see later on in Hebrew, he's given to Jesus the world to come. Jesus' royal inheritance, now catch this one, was inaugurated when he ascended into heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father. This is part of the gospel. The final word on God is given to the one who is seated at the right hand of God, who is the heir of all things. All things, all things are underneath his feet right now. So he's the only one qualified to give you and me the final word on God. Second, the second affirmation of Christ's attributes that qualify him to be God's final word is this. Christ is the one through whom God created the world. Christ is the one through whom God created the world. Going back to verse 2. Through whom also he created the world. So God the Father created all that there is through God the Son, Jesus Christ. The reason Jesus is the heir of all things is because all things were created through him. Christ rules over what he has created. It's his world, not yours or mine. He's the only one that has the final word on God because he's the one through whom all things were created. And friends, he will have the final word at the end of history when he comes back as the judge of all things. He's the one that will judge each one of us and give us the final word to our lives. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? Well, third... The third affirmation of Christ's attributes that qualify him to be God's final word is this. Christ is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's nature. Look at verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. This radiance is of God's glory. Christ is the manifestation of God's glorious presence and... Christ is the exact imprint. The Greek word there is character. It's literally character. 
That's the Greek word. We derive our word character from it. He's the exact character of God's nature. Jesus bears the stamp as on a coin of God's nature. Christ is the very being, substance, and essence of the reality of God. So what am I saying here? What is scripture saying here? The only one who has the final word on God is God. See, here, if you're wondering, where does it say that Jesus is God? Right here. Right here. He's God, and that's the only way that he can exactly represent God's nature. He's the one that exactly, the exact imprint of his nature. He's the radiance of his glory. There's no one more qualified. There is no one more qualified. He is uniquely qualified to give the final word on God. And what is God like? He's like the one that went to the cross to die for you and me. He's, he's love. He's righteousness. Fourth affirmation of Christ's attributes and achievements that qualify him as God's final word. Christ upholds all things by the word of his power. Look at verse 3 again. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Yeah, Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus isn't just the agent of creation. The Father created all things through the Son. But he is the sustainer of creation. God in Christ creates and then upholds the creation. This truth, by the way, abolishes the lie that's called deism. Deism would say that God created the world and step back and let it function on its own natural processes. Kind of like God winding up a clock, putting it on the table, and then stepping back and just letting it tick. That's a lie. This scripture says that he not only created the world through Christ, but Christ sustains that which was created. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. The government. There is not one molecule on this earth that is outside of Christ's governmental control. There's not one molecule. There is not one thing in your life that is outside of Christ's control. Now, if you're listening to the wrong radio station, they're going to tell you everything but that. They're going to tell you that, you know what? He's not the heir of all things. It's all about you. They're going to tell you, you know what? This thing is out of control, and you need to get it under control. You need to uphold this thing. They're going to say, you're the one that upholds everything. You know, if you don't do something, it's not going to happen. And you're going to begin to accuse God. You're going to begin to doubt that God knows your condition or your situation. Friends, everything is under his government. Therefore, you can trust him and take him at his powerful word. That's what this truth means. When we tune into God's radio station, what we're hearing is this. I sustain the universe. I'm the one. I'm, I'm the one that knows what you're going through right now. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Recently, we were in the airport in Minneapolis. And we're walking to our gate. A blizzard is coming. We get to our gate and we hear that our flight is delayed two hours from Minneapolis to Chicago, which means that our flight from Chicago to Miami 
we're going to miss it. So we're starting to talk about what it's going to be like to sleep in a freezing airport for a couple of days as a blizzard smacks the Midwest. I'm standing in line. I got my phone. I temporarily am listening to the wrong radio station. I am dialing up American Airlines, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uphold the universe right now, right here. And out of nowhere, guys, I'm standing in this long line. We've all got this look on our face. You know, we've been gone from our wives for like five days. It's like, oh, no, Lord. Suddenly, I hear our names over the loudspeaker. It's funny. They got the two Spanish names, right? Pino and Prado and butchered smidgen, okay? In Minneapolis, the land of the Scandinavians. I thought that was pretty funny. Guys, I- I'm not kidding you. I turn my head and I see this, this woman who really is dressed like a baggage handler. She just put the mic down so I knew that it came from her. So I walked over. She never looked at us. She's typing into this computer furiously. She just goes, okay, look, we're going to try to get you to make your connection in Chicago to Miami. Um, take these. You don't have any time, but you know what? I just so happen to have a driver right there. We turn around. There's a guy right there. Get in that vehicle and go. It was on the other end of the airport, huge airport. This guy is flying through the airport. He's knocking people down. Nah, he's not knocking people down, but he's going fast. We get to the gate. It's a Delta flight. We jump off the thing. We show him the things. The lady looks at us and says, you're not getting on this flight. It was like 5.02 and the flight was supposed to leave at 5.10. She goes, no, she was not in a good mood. There was another guy there trying to get on. No, 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 no. She's on the phone talking to the other lady. They can't get Corey's identity right. You know, I'm thinking, great, the two Hispanic guys are getting on. We're leaving the Scandinavian here. And, you know, and it's like, and suddenly she just looks up. She goes, oh, whatever, just get in there. She runs over, opens the door. We're running down the thing, running into the airplane. We got home. Okay, so, so, so who's... So who's sustaining that? Not me. I told these guys, what a picture of grace. I mean, I'm standing in a line lost. <laughs> and out of nowhere comes God's call and says, get in, the, get in the plane. And I'm providing a car for you. I, I guess what I'm trying to say, and what I, want, I, want, I, want, I think God wants you to know, is you can trust Jesus for the final word on your life. No matter what your condition is, he's going to sustain you. Do you see that in verse 3? By, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The universe isn't upheld by the word of your power or mine. It's by Christ's. Therefore, only Jesus has the final word about God. Do you hear that? It's very important. I believe God would want to share that with you. Next. His next qualification to have the final word on God is found again in verse 3. He purifies our sins. Look, after making purification for sins, after making purifications for sins, this term purification for sins, this is how Hebrews is going to talk about the atonement or Christ's sacrifice for our our sins. In in Hebrews, it's, it's spoken of as purification. This is the idea that Christ on the cross made that purification for sins and and that therefore as the agent of God through whom God created the world, Jesus is the one then who redeems the world. Isn't that wonderful? Obvious application here. Obvious application here. (laughs) When 
960, the accuser comes on, would you please dial in to this radio station? Would you please tell him that you are not defined by the sins that he is bringing forward? They are yours. You're guilty. Absolutely. But you're going to dial into another radio station and you're going to say, the one who made purification of my sins is the one who has the final word on God and the final word on me. That sin doesn't define me. What defines me is the one who made purification of that sin. That's the application. Our sin's not the final word, friends. Christ's purification of our sins is the final word because he alone is qualified to give the final word. You're not, I'm not, the world isn't, Satan isn't. Is it the final word of your life? Or do you walk around as a condemned believer always hearing Satan's accusations and then giving voice to those accusations as you sinfully judge others? Oh, friend, you're listening to the wrong station. Tune in to this one. God is speaking to you in Christ, his final word. The sixth attribute or achievement that qualifies Jesus as God's final word is the fact that Christ is the messianic king. Look at verse 3 at the end. After making purification for sins, he, Jesus, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he's the messianic king. You see, this motif, this, this, this theme in Hebrews, you're going to see it a lot. There's a lot about heaven in Hebrews. There's a lot about Jesus ascending into heaven. There's a lot about Jesus being the final sacrifice to purify us of our sins and then ascending into heaven. Why? Because it speaks to a messianic king. I want you to see the symmetry here. At the beginning of Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, It talks about he's the heir of all things. That's talking about the messianic son of God. God himself, son of God, heir of all things. And at the end, you've got these bookends. You've got got him as the one who is reigning with God the Father. When you're at the right hand of the throne, the right hand of the throne is the place of honor. Actually, the idea here is that he's sharing the throne with God. So the only one that is qualified to reveal God to you is the one who shares the throne of God, God himself. Do you see that? See, the problem with you believing what you think about God, the problem with you believing what the world says about God or the accuser says about God is they're not qualified. They don't have Jesus' resume. Only one is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Only one. It is a man, but it's God. It's the God-man. He's qualified. He's qualified to give the final word on God. He's the messianic king. What a wonderful declaration this is. He's the king. He has the final word. Does he have the final word in your life? Oh, there's a lot there. We'll talk more about it at the end. But I just want to bring one other scripture up for you. Psalms 110, verse 1. Psalms 110, verse 1, is one of the most oft-quoted Old Testament verses in the New Testament. It's quoted many, many times in the Gospels, in Acts, in Hebrews, many times. 
Psalm 110 verse 1 says the following. The, this is a psalm of David, who is the king. This is what he says. The Lord says to my Lord. Uh, which Lord are we talking about here? So there's a Lord that's above David, although he's the king. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. See, this passage was predictive. Every good Jew knew that this psalm was definitely in the future. It wasn't talking about David, although he was a powerful king. But it was predictive. There was, there was somebody coming, a Messiah. He was a Messianic king. Remember when Jesus went into Jerusalem? They say, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David. Son of David? What they were saying is, you're the guy that's going to take the throne. They thought immediately from the Romans, and you're going to put all the enemies underneath your feet. We're going to duke out the Romans. We're going to go freedom. They didn't understand that it was spiritual. Oh, he is the son of David. Oh, he is the messianic son, but he's also the messianic king, the one who rules over all, seated at the father's right hand. So here's my question for you. Does he rule over you? In your mind, does he rule over the situation you're thinking about right now? Does he rule over the difficulty you're embracing? Does he rule over the conflict in your marriage, in your family? Does he rule over your child who is running from God? Does he rule over your job and your boss who is treating you unfairly? Does he rule over the sickness in your body? Does he rule over the pain in your soul? Does he rule over this earth? Or are you dialed into the wrong station? And somehow Jesus is irrelevant. He rules. This text gives us the proof. And he rules not just in some ethereal way, but he rules in my life today. Listen, today, there's going to be a Super Bowl champ. By next year, they'll be forgotten. Right now, there is a ruler in a nation, Egypt, who's ruled with an iron fist for 30, day, 30 years, and he's going to be gone soon. Kings come, kings go. Sports figures come, they go. Famous people come and they go. Presidents come and they go. He never goes. He is the king of kings. Therefore, when all else changes, if you are linked to him, if you believe in him, if you're locked into him, if you've got his radio station, it's locked in your radio, your head. 96, 960, The Accuser, and 106.6, The Classic World, and WMEE, me all the time. Those are gone. Jesus rules. So what that does is it enables us to trust him in difficulty so we don't quit, so we don't back out, so we don't take matters into our own hands, so we don't accuse God. This is the application for me, for you, and people under oppression. It's tough. And I'll look into the eyes of men and women who maybe can't articulate this like maybe I am now. Maybe they can. But they know the truth. They're dialed into God's radio station. And they know that Jesus is the Messianic King. Do you know that? Does it make a difference in your life? May it. May it. Finally, the seventh thing that qualifies Jesus to have the final word on God is this. He's greater than the angels. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. See, again, bookends. <laughs> this whole 
text began with Christ is better or greater than the prophets. And it ends with Christ is better or greater than the angels. You see, it wasn't the angels who brought God's final resurrection of salvation to his people. Oh, the angels were important. The angels were wonderful messengers. The angels helped in the Exodus. The angels were giving revelation to Old Testament prophets. It was an angel that came to Mary and said, you're going to have the Son of God. Thank God for the angels. They're going to have a role at the end of time. But friends, Jesus is greater than the angels. The salvation that Jesus brings is the final word. The angels pointed to Jesus. This word superior, we find in verse 4, is used many times in Hebrews. Why? Because the theme of Hebrews is Christ greater than all. Is he greater than all in your life? See, that's the question. Because his greatness, the, the reason he's greater than the angels is what? What does the verse say? Because he has a greater or a superior or a more excellent name. A name. His name is more excellent. What is that name? It's Jesus Christ. It's the Son. The Bible says it's at that name that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You want to know the final word of God? Jesus Christ. When he comes back, He's going to look into your eyes. He's going to say, what do you say to this final word? He's going to judge you according to how you respond to that name. You will bow your knee. The question is, will it be now, as you hear this, and come and listen and respond to the name that is above all names, or will it be then when you have no choice, and that name judges you for your unbelief. I pray and I appeal to each one of you that you would right now bow your knee and your life before the name of Jesus Christ this morning, friends. These seven affirmations that qualify Jesus as supreme revealer of God and the mediator of a new covenant, they are important. Are you listening? Christ is God's final word. God has shown us that Christ is greater than all. He's, he's greater than the prophets. He's the heir of all things. He's the messianic son. The world was created through Jesus. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the imprint of God's nature. Jesus upholds the universe. He makes purification for your sins and mine. He's the messianic king, and he's greater than the angels. He's the only one qualified. Listen to God, for he speaks to you in Christ, who is greater than all. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that each one of us would tune into your broadcast right now. I pray we would hear you speaking to us in Christ, who is greater than all. Lord, you are greater than the unbelief in the hard hearts that have been listening to me right now and perhaps have listened to me over the years and have said, no way. Lord, you're greater than their unbelief. Soften their hearts, almighty King. Open up hard hearts, God. Open, open, open the blind eyes, the deaf ears, and save them. Lord, you are greater. Christ, you are greater than the trials that many of us face right now. The broken relationships, the marriages on the rocks, businesses. Lord, you are greater than all of that. Oh, Lord, speak your final word on who God is. 
and how we relate to Him now, to the hearts of the weary, to the hearts of those tempted to bitterness and unbelief. Jesus, bless my friends. Father, reveal the Son, the one eminently qualified to give us the final word on you. Show us the Messianic Son. Show us the heir of all things. Oh, Father, show us the one through whom you created the universe. Show us the one who's the radiance of your glory, the exact imprint of your nature. Show us the one who upholds the universe and let us believe that he's upholding our universe even when we feel like it's falling down around us. Show us the one who made purification for our sins and, and, and Lord, block out the, the accusations and condemnation of the enemy. Show us the one who has ascended to the right hand of your throne, Father, who rules and reigns with you. Show us the one greater than the angels. We're going to stand and we're going to spend some time singing.